everyone, and welcome back to episode five of The Mandalorian, the weekly podcast in which we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate The Mandalorian, a Star Wars story, one episode at a time. I'm Alex Robinson from StarWarsMinute.com. I'm Pete the Retailer, also from StarWarsMinute.com. And I'm Matt Belknap from Never Not Funny, and also NeverNotFunny.com if you want to go there. Yeah. Welcome. If, uh, if you want. <laughs> well, we definitely recommend you go there because it not is funny. it is a URL that works. I, I right. you know for a long time we didn't own it, and then we we finally got control of it. So we might as well throw it out there for people. <laughs> Was there like a commando raid to get it back? You know, to like <laughs> yes, we did. We put together a, t- a team of uh, a crack unit to uh, <laughs> to bust down the doors of uh, whatever uh, <laughs> URL domain sitter squatters that were all over it. <laughs> They're the worst pirates. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for uh, joining us here uh, and being our guest on uh, The Mandalorian. Sure. We we are talking about Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. Uh, just the basic story is that uh, The Mandalorian goes to Tatooine, where he uh, hooks up with another amateur bounty hunter who's doing a job, and uh, they then do the job, and um, he leaves Tatooine with Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much encapsulates it, right? It's the yeah. basics, yeah, yeah. A few twists and turns aside, sure. <laughs> now, do we want to give our overall perspectives, like what we thought of it, or just go through it in order? Well, this is what I was going to say. I know normally, I feel like we kind of step through it and slowly reveal our opinions, but I, I up top, <laughs> up top, I, I wanted to uh, <laughs> get <laughs> totally curious about Alex, your opinion, because I, I feel like on paper. If you said, um, you know, like, what's something that Alex would like? Like, Amy Sedaris and Mos Eisley might be a, a good summary of what you like. Yeah. Amy Sedaris uh, in a Weird Al circa 1985 wig on Tatooine. Yeah. What's better than that? Uh, well, I'll admit, when they mentioned uh, Mos Eisley, I was like, oh, my gosh, are we really returning to Tatooine? Um, but then... Um, I I was like it almost like broke down my defenses because once they started doing like he started approaching Tatooine mm-hmm. and three of the shots in a row were like recreations of shots from the original Star Wars I'm like all right you got yeah. me you found my fan service <laughs> weakness <laughs> and uh, I thought the episode was very goofy but uh I found myself enjoying it the entire time yeah yeah I agree it was uh, it was good fun um and I I liked it I- Matt, how are you? Would you uh, b- before in the green room? You were saying that uh, you 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 like the Mandalorian. I think the show. I I do love the Mandalorian. Yeah. I I think every it, it, to me it's doing exactly what I hoped it would do, which is just sort of make a uh, '70s style, uh, you know. The network TV show, <laughs> uh, but with Star Wars, like it's it's very uh, sort of you know it's obviously very genre heavy and and like but it's it doesn't it's finally what I wanted them to be doing with the Star Wars story movies, which is get away from the mythology, the central mythology of the Skywalker saga and just tell a separate story in this universe. And I think because the origins of Star Wars are sort of pulp comics and, and these like serials from, uh, you know, long ago, it, it, to me, it feels perfectly correct for them to 
do it in this way and 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 make a show that doesn't isn't trying to be i mean it's visually slick and and very well produced but it's not trying to compete with the uh, you know the golden age TV like adult serious dramas that uh, dominate uh, the screen now like it's it's not trying to be Breaking Bad and it's not trying to be Game of Thrones uh, it has no interest in in uh, in hooking adults who have no ties to Star Wars it's just it's a Star Wars story through and through and and to me like it it reminds me of of the best parts of solo which are like to me the the elements that have nothing to do with the characters we already know it's the care it's the characters that they introduce in solo that are so interesting to me that i I wish they could explore more because that stuff was like yeah this is what we were promised when they said they're going to make these sort of spin-off things that aren't about and then they immediately broke that promise because they're like (laughs) we're we're going to be totally separate so this one is going to feature darth vader and princess leia as a you know cgi creation and then the next one is going to be a different actor playing han solo and chewbacca and the millennium falcon are back and it's like (laughs) that's not what we that's not what we were talking about before (laughs) so the to me it's like this is finally like we get to see the different corners of this galaxy and um and tell a story that I, I feel like is very true to what George Lucas was originally going for with with uh, episode four, which is just kind of pull pull the pull these like disparate elements of other genres that uh, that he loved that that work so well in you know like western movies and samurai movies and and space operas pull that all together in an original way and then just tell kind of a silly pulpy story that's just fun and it doesn't take itself that seriously and so like you know there's 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 cheesy dialogue there's cheesy jokes but they're 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 star wars jokes they're star wars uh it through and through to me and so i don't i don't really find fault with any of it i'm like yeah i'm on board for all of this because it's first of all it definitely feeds my uh you know the the nostalgia of like seeing jawas or seeing um yeah seeing the most icely spaceport or whatever it's it's that is obviously gonna hit me like right in the bread basket <laughs> emotionally <laughs> yeah. but then it's also getting me on the level of like i love this kind of story like i i would you know i heard you guys on another episode talking about like the the, the tv the the incredible hulk tv show from the 70s or, or kung fu and to me it's like that doesn't really exist anymore and i love that they kind of brought back the idea of a show that's just like every week there's a sort of a new adventure um and but it's it's in this world that I already know and love, and and uh, it's doing new things with it. So yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board. I, I, to me, I don't think there's been an episode that's missed. Um, this one, maybe the 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 one sort of minor thing that I had with it was like I didn't love the casting of the the rookie guy, and and it, that t- to me felt the most maybe the most Disney thing I've ever seen <laughs> since Disney took over Lucasfilm is just that actor he's like seems like he came right out of you know living maddie or something like i don't know what where he came from but he he's not doesn't feel like he even belongs in that in that universe necessarily he feels like he's he's very much a disney channel actor who is getting his break to like do legitimate television <laughs> but, isn't that the but, um it's not the son of uh bobby carnival yeah yeah i, I, I saw that his name was carnival and i didn't know if he was related that, that's interesting okay so he is related to him all right yeah, yeah, yeah those I, eyebrows and, and the eyes of, of a carnival. right and then yeah and also like he was related he, therefore to Sidney lament and um um what's her name 
um, Lena Horn. Like he's 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 oh. Hollywood royalty. Oh wow! So wait, is is Bobby Cannavale married to Sidney Lumet's daughter or something? Yeah, they were for a while. I don't think they, oh, okay. they still are, but um, they were for a while. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, I, I mean, the, I, he wasn't even bad. It's just like it to me. there's never like it's just weird for a guy i mean look you could do whatever you want with the idea of this character like he he could be he could be a pretty boy he could be whatever but it's just like the idea that this guy's trying to become a bounty hunter he just looks too kind of too pretty and and too like kind of too hollywood for me (laughs) like i just i i want i want these guys i mean look you could probably say the same thing about han solo uh, and he was literally sitting in han solo's seat in this episode but uh and so maybe that was the idea is like, is here's another, uh, you know, hotshot fly boy pirate wannabe or whatever. But, uh, and it actually did make me that he, yeah, wanted, he was like dash Rendar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a great call. Yeah. But, but although I, we never got to see a, a live action dash right, Rendar, yeah. but I, but I yeah, guess this yeah. would be kind of what he was like. <laughs> um, well, I love that that's like, cause when he first showed up, I was like, no, like, but then the fact that he's, <laughs> he's exactly like he's pretending to be what he's not, like he's acting yeah. amateurish and he seems kind of like, you know, he seems like a bad character because he is, he's, you know, the yeah. character is acting, a poser. trying to play up. Yeah. He's a poser. He's trying to be this badass yeah. kind of bounty hunter character. And right. so it, I, that works for me because he's not like he, I mean, granted there there are levels levels to it you know like obviously he doesn't look like he looks like he's trying to be cool but then also there's a different level of like well he doesn't really look star warsy which is a different whole different thing but like the it worked enough for me that like oh he's pretending to be cool therefore he's yeah 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 like this is a like like i said i love this series uh, and this was like just the only thing that even slightly made me go huh with the and it's the first casting thing that i think in the whole series that i haven't been 100 percent on board with because i think everything else i i, I mean I, I love every choice they've made it's been really interesting to see who they pulled in i mean the, amy sedaris was maybe the weirdest move but uh but it worked you know like she t- to me she really did feel like that's that's who would be running this uh you know this operation here and and uh so yeah i i love that kind of thing this dude i was just kind of like okay i guess i'm gonna have to roll with this but he just re- he reminded me a lot of the kid in you guys probably don't know this although maybe you do pete i don't know if your daughter's old enough to care about this stuff but there's the disney channel series there's a trilogy of movies called the descendants and uh there was a kid in those movies who actually just passed away sadly um but he was one of the major characters in that franchise and this guy looks kind of like that guy and so mm. it just made me it, it pushed it into that disney realm in a weird way in my mind and that's just i i mean i wish i'd never seen those movies or didn't know that because maybe that wouldn't have happened otherwise for a but, lot of reasons <laughs> but yeah for a lot of reasons but most people probably wouldn't have that reaction but that's just who he reminded me of and it just automatically felt disney channel and uh mm. and so but but you're right it's it is kind of correct for who this guy's supposed to be he's supposed to be a guy who maybe really doesn't uh i mean and we don't know his backstory at all but but it it definitely seems like a a kid who wants to be something that he's not and he's he's kind of out of place and uh and so in that sense maybe they made the right call and obviously we'll see i assume we'll see more of this guy um oh wait 
What ha- wait, what happened to him at the end? No, he got shot. <laughs> yeah, he he's dead. I keep forgetting how things end in this show for some reason. Like I, like the last one, he, you know, Mando was going to leave uh, the child on on that other planet, and then obviously he didn't. But I couldn't remember exactly how that went down until I watched the previously on, or I guess maybe my daughter told me he's like, no, he they took he ended up taking him, but. Um, yeah, it's it's just a weird because that that's every it seems like every episode. I guess my brain is now trained for things to work the way modern television works, where everything progresses and there's there's no episodicness to anything. But this is very much episodic in the way that television used to be. Where, uh, for example, my son hasn't watched any of the episodes, but he sat down and watched this one with us, and I was like, oh, you know what's cool? He can watch this episode because he doesn't you don't need to have seen the other ones to understand what's happening in this episode. It's pretty basic Uh, setup. So yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, luckily he enjoyed it. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Uh, I really do just, I mean, it partly is just nostalgia because that's the kind of shows, those are the kinds of shows that I grew up on, like the A-Team right. um, or, or Night Rider. But it's also cool because it just isn't being done right now. So it feels kind of fresh, even though it's kind of a throwback. Yeah, it's a weird, um, I, 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 outside of this, I just happen to be reading the, um, I guess, autobiography, memoirs, what, what, I don't know what the, uh, but uh, the Joseph Michael Straczynski, who, who created Babylon 5 and was a TV writer for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And just in the part of, of him going around kind of pitching Babylon 5 and talking about like, yeah, all of TV, especially sci-fi TV, like you know, with the exception of soap operas, everything was like, OK, leave it all. Leave everything where it was when you leave at the end of the episode, basically. And like, yeah. no, no arcs. And then talking about how nobody wanted to hear him pitching this arc this like five year story arc of like character development <laughs> right. and stuff like that and it, interesting now to be like oh yeah it's, it's almost refreshing to have just kind of like you know at the end of the episode everything's different although yeah. so weirdly that was one of my criticisms of last week's episode but I, I or last yeah last week um, that you know it, it felt too too much like one of those like where it was just like alright you know mm-hmm. he stops and does something and at the end nothing matters you know like nothing's different right. than than what it was and this is kind of the same yeah. way but I, I, again i feel like last week at some point i said like well it would be if there were surprises or something like that's what i want i'm, I'm okay with that happening yeah. as long as there's as long as i don't know exactly where it's going the whole time and i felt like last week i knew exactly where it was going the whole time and this week i had an idea basically of more or less where it was headed but it threw enough curves and and i mean obviously being set in you know my childhood basically uh, <laughs> right. helped a lot <laughs> They really laid it on thick. Like there's every episode has had a little bit of that, obviously uh, it with, you know, background aliens and things like that. But this was by far the, the most heavy handed with it. And like, honestly on paper, I might've thought that's not gonna, that's going to rub me the wrong way, but I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't resist it. It was just like, I, I loved every single reference and, and, uh, and maybe, and I probably even missed a couple, but it's just to me, it's, I love that they can go there. I think what the, the reason I was thinking about this uh, when I was driving to the studio today, like what I think what I like about it is that it's not, uh, it's not the thing that I hate in in other movies and stuff where people make like a heavy handed reference, like a dial, like there's dialogue that's like, hey, remember that? It's like I like that they're show there. It's in there, and yet 
everybody in the scene seems to be completely oblivious. Like that kid did not know he was sitting in the seat that Han Solo was sitting in when he killed Greedo. Right. And like Mando doesn't give, give a <laughs> with the, where the Millennium Falcon landed or took off from. Like, you know, they're all just kind of living their lives. And so it's a nice, to me, it's a nice counterbalance to how geeked out we are over the fact that they're <laughs> in this place, you know, cause it's like, we're, we're like, Oh, these like, they're not star Wars nerds. They're just people living their lives, but yeah. we can have that feeling and yet still watch this the kind of thing unfold and it, in a weird way I, I, this this series has done this a few times where i almost feel like it's an alternate reality to the star wars we know because it's like they're taking things on like a on a macro level they're taking things that existed you know right down to the lead character they're taking things that existed in star wars and it's almost like they went back and like but what if that wasn't what what if that wasn't who boba fett was what if he was who we wished he was gonna be when (laughs) we first saw that action figure uh like something cooler than what ended up happening and like let's rethink and so there's like that and then there's like a few other things where you feel kind of like baby i mean first of all there's a baby yoda (laughs) like that's another one where it's like what if yoda wasn't 900 years old in this period of time what if he was still a baby and like how would that work so it's 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 like a to me it feels like a kind of a cool remix uh of of the themes than the and the 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 ingredients that we sort of already knew and obviously already loved yeah 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 i think uh, sorry, for the most part, I agree. There, there are things you know. It made me cautious a little bit, but uh, for the most part, I agree. And this one did a good job of stepping back into that. And and again, like you're not being too heavy-handed with the references work. Like they didn't. Um, like as soon as they went towards, you know, as soon as he was like, uh, he mentioned. Mos Eisley Tower. I was like, oh, like they better not. Like if they run into anybody, like yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm ready to blow my top. Like this is they're gonna lose me if they have, so all of a sudden it's just like, hey, I know you. And uh, what well, does feel like they they keep playing with the idea of are we is somebody that we that we actually know gonna show up like right. the end of this episode? Do we uh, you know? There's, well, there's a lot of possibilities. We apparently there was there, they did run into somebody that we know. We we did meet. A character uh, we ran into a character that uh, that uh, was a major part of the plot in Star Wars. You talking about Lothcat? <laughs> no, not in this episode. <laughs> tread, are you talking about Treadwell? No, it turns out that's a different that's a different Treadwell droid. But we did mm. see apparently the one and only R five D four. You know what? When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, he's still there!" Because like I I really did feel like that's him. I, I it doesn't make any sense because there are obviously be many many versions of that model. But for some reason, I was like, "That's that is him. <laughs> he's he's still here," according, which is hilarious. Yeah, according to the thing, they were it's um nope maybe not now maybe it got changed. And when I looked it up earlier, so. yeah, characters R five D four. So when. Uh, I don't know, you know, there's a there's a thread to be made there. You got, you know, left yeah. behind on uh, on Tatooine and made his way over to the bar, I guess. After you uh, after you blow your motivator, you just need to get a drink. <laughs> yeah. I That's was watching a uh, I was watching one of those uh, a commentary video on the episode mm-hmm. just to see, you know, for anything I missed and they talked about that red droid and they're saying, "Oh, oh yes, it's that same droid that uh, that that blew up when it had a bad alternator." And he just kept referring <laughs> to it as a bad alternator and I had to turn the Boy. video off cuz I was like, "How can I trust anything this guy says?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The internet so, isn't uh, isn't what it used to be in terms of expert opinions. <laughs> no, but I uh, getting back to what you were saying about the the nostalgia, the leaning to the the nostalgia part. Um, yeah, 
I think that was almost like what I almost admired the fact that they were like, you know what? You're talking about fan service. We are just this thing is we are going to go to the most iconic location. Like when he started yeah. walking towards the cantina, I was like, no, they are not going to go into the mm, cantina. Mm, mm, and yeah. they went inside the cantina. And then even the little details like the droid thing, not the droid detector being gone and the bar being <laughs> overrun by droids. I just thought that was such. such <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's a clever. great call. I didn't think about that. That's really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah it'd be run by droids even so yeah right yeah there's a droid bartender now that's so yeah, funny yeah you know, a dewback and banthas and uh every single scene was throwing like, something at you yeah. <laughs> yeah it was uh i was really surprised we didn't see a crate dragon i thought for sure we were going to see mm. uh, at least a skeleton of a crate dragon but for some reason they held back <laughs> that would have been cool yeah well but they also went back to episode one because they, they had pit droids and then they had uh well and then episode three they had they had what looked like it could have been anakin's speeder bike or the same similar model i think yeah uh so yeah they were covering all bases all generations like everybody was getting served in this episode which uh i mean i i love that it's just kind of unabashed it it definitely feels the, the whole series to me has felt like this is uh John Favreau and, and I guess to some extent Dave Filoni just playing with their toys you know it's like they've 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 really they're excited about playing with Star Wars uh the way we all felt when we were kids and we had the action figures and and that that's kind of that can go either way you know like if some someone could do that and it could feel very much like fan fiction and maybe there's some elements of this that are a little bit on that tip but i also kind of feel like john favreau is a good writer and and uh he knows what he's doing and and it's it's a little bit smarter than just that it's 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 got more it's it's not just hey i get to play with these because it's not the same characters it's new characters but it's also like hey i get to play in this world it's it's also kind of like he went back to the source a little bit i think in the same way that they did with solo and said like why like what was cool about star wars thematically or, or tonally and um and struck upon the idea of bringing in different genres and uh, again I, I don't want to harp on solo but i do feel like it's kind of uh underrated in the sense that it did you know it had a f- train heist excuse my <laughs> french <laughs> like it's definitely like interested in other genres and 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 pulling things from different places in the way that uh episode four does and 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 so like whenever a star wars thing is going to do that I'm, I'm always going to be on board because i do think that that is in some ways the root of of its its narrative power you know it, it, it's definitely there's a lot of imaginative cool stuff in it but a lot of things have you know creative or weird or new things but they don't always resonate and i think what makes star wars resonate is that the combination of the the new and original with the tried and true but coming from very unexpected origins yeah yeah speaking of feloni this was written and directed by him i think and i was yeah we've had the thing the past two weeks where you know i was uh um disappointed to to learn that it was uh you know that the episodes had been directed by women because i was like well i, I don't like that's not why i don't like it it's not mm-hmm. you know like i i know that people i can see people using that as fuel you know right. the, the internet outrage uh quote-unquote fans um and i'm like oh like as i started to like this one more i was like great i wonder who did and of course it's it's written and directed by the guy who always wears a cowboy hat that they all stand behind is <laughs> like they're like oh take take you know lucasfilm away from from kathleen kennedy and yeah. give it to dave filoni he knows what's going on i'm like oh well yeah i mean he does happen to be a good 
you know, I'm not taking I don't want to take things away from him either. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying just the fact that they're behind him makes him a good, you know, that, that doesn't make him a bad uh, uh, person. Obviously, he's uh, he's skilled and talented and knows the knows the franchise quite well. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the only guys uh, I think still around who worked with Lucas because when he was doing Clone Wars, Lucas, right. you know, he's he was basically learning from from the guy so like that has value definitely i i think the first you know he directed the first chapter too and i also like that one and to a lesser extent this one i I thought this one was better but um the first episode to me felt a little uh directional like the 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 visual direction of it felt a little flat and a little like Mm. like a cartoon and i know that's sort of an easy criticism to make when you know that a guy is only directed animation before but it it felt more like rebels to me whereas the next few felt more cinematic and more dynamic and and interesting to look at uh this one I, if I if if you had told me he, someone else directed, or if, if if you had told me to guess who directed, I would not have thought it was him. I just yeah. something about that first one. You know, like my wife and I always joke about how like you know if if because of rebels we're like if dave filoni's involved you know there's going to be some space crates moving around in the background because like every <laughs> scene is just like well we got these crates we got to unload or load up it's just like it's, it's so like rebels is so crate heavy <laughs> and i guess clone wars to some extent too it's just like everything is revolves around the the movement and transport of crates right so like, uh, we gotta make it feel more real and lived in let's throw some boxes yeah. in there and have crates and and uh, like it's 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 kind of unfair to, because they all you know those shows work on budgets and they can't they can't design new every week and and try to make it interesting and and you know spectacular so they kind of have to fall back on like well we've already got the model for the crate let's just throw 10 crates in the background we're done so i get why it's happening but it's it it, that episode one felt a little like okay uh borderline and maybe it was just getting used to like okay this is this guy's ship and you know this is going to be how it works but um uh now that i've settled into it i probably wouldn't have that same reaction but it's just i maybe i was looking for it and, and and being too cynical about you know his skills but uh yeah i've I, this one i you know again it, it didn't jump out at me as being like uh, cinematically outstanding you know and on a visual level but yeah. i mean the, there was so much to love and i didn't really care the shots that stood out to me are all the ones where it was oh that's the exact shot from star wars so yes. or oh that's right. reflecting that uh you know there's a great one later on where like he basically strikes the pose from the that promo shot of the stormtrooper on the dewback oh yeah, yeah i totally got that. <laughs> he had lingered on that one for a bit yeah <laughs> so uh um all right well should we should we step through it narratively a little more or should we yeah all right. Um, yeah, it starts out. I, I I do. Speaking of cinematic, I love. Uh, I loved it in the first episode. Maybe this is a Felony thing. I like with the uh, this little sound bridge from the Star Wars vanity logo. Yeah, not the vanity mm-hmm. logo, but the the new um, what is that? Uh, the brand logo, I guess. Yeah, it's um, like a, their version of the Marvel thing where the pages are flipping. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the first one they just showed that without music while they did, had the beeping of the of the kind of tracking uh device yeah. the locator and then this one it's the it's got the music swell a little fanfare but then you also start hearing the blaster fire while it's still going yeah um which is good because it's a very star wars sound yeah um and then it jumps right into the action which i also like mm-hmm. that the kind of in media res thing i think we were talking about this this 
maybe with with Dan with the because it's or Alex, did you bring it up that it's like like the Batman like animated series how it would, like often just start out with like the end of the last adventure almost. Mm, that wasn't me, but uh, it's it sounds it sounds accurate. Well, we'll ascribe it to Dan because he's not here. <laughs> um, I assume that's something that that comes from originally comes from the the Flash Gordon uh, sort of origins because obviously. A New Hope does the exact same thing. We, we right. jump in on a, a Star Destroyer shooting at the Tanti 4. So it's just like, it's a fun way to go, okay, this is, I'm go, I'm, I'm being dropped in the middle of, of this huge complicated thing that I'm just going to have to catch up and, and figure out on the fly, like what's happening. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is neat in this, especially in a, in a very episodic thing like they don't have to you know yeah they don't feel like they have to lay out everything and it's this world exists when you're not watching it which is nice yeah like i don't will we i don't know if we're, maybe they maybe some nerds already do know this but i don't think we'll ever really know the name of that guy <laughs> that he was that was, was what is it maverick <laughs> why do you know that no, no i'm just saying because he looks like from top gun yeah uh, oh like maverick i think he said maverick which i was like that that is a very star wars to just take the word it maverick and put a different letter in the beginning <laughs> of it what his, <laughs> it, that, it, that's his name now we're gonna call that guy maverick <laughs> his name is riot mar is it really mm-hmm. where how did you find that i tried to find it's, it i could not find it wikipedia of course oh, everything okay. immediately goes to wikipedia no but it, it was in the um credits i think in the closing credits did oh, it? So, okay uh yeah riot mar riot um, mar i like baverick better yeah yeah let's just call him baverick um, uh played, yeah that's that's crazy played by uh rio hackford which is, that's a more star wars name too <laughs> seriously rio hackford is the same guy who did the uh the motion capture bodywork for ig11 oh, oh okay so nice I uh, I thought it was so corny, but I I absolutely loved the fact that when his ship gets blown up, he's like no, and then yeah, explode. <laughs> it's just so. Uh, I thought that was hysterical. That's when I was like, all right, this seems really funny, and I'm on board. <laughs> the the whole scene is is incredibly cheesy. It's 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 not particular it's not original we've seen this exact firefight or dogfight uh, a hundred times in in star wars alone i think we've seen it probably seven or eight times <laughs> but but in the world at large we've seen it a million times and uh and then the dialogue is ridiculous where he's like i could bring you in hotter i could bring you in warmer i can bring you in cold and then he's like that's my line yeah. it's like to me that is perfect cheese for star <laughs> wars it d- doesn't it, it's it doesn't even seem vaguely aware of the fact that this is so corny and and that's what I love about it. It just like <laughs> it operates on the pure, sincere level. Yeah, earnest. Of yeah, it's earnest and 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 just dumb and and you know I, I feel like uh, you, you kind of have to keep that fire burning too a little bit with Star Wars because that's that's never yeah gonna you can you can't take it out of the originals and so you really shouldn't try to I mean that that's in in a weird way the Ryan Johnson JJ Abrams era. Um, I think Ryan Johnson tried to do some of that and maybe JJ did a little bit too, but I, I, I don't agree with this criticism, but if, if anyone wants to say those movies are too slick, I think that might be part of why is because they feel more like modern movies that are a little more self-aware. Like the humor is a little more self-aware and a little more sophisticated. It's like star Wars happened, happened before David Letterman and before the Simpsons and before a million other things that, 
uh, evolved our sense of humor as a culture. And um, so I, it makes sense that those movies would, would follow suit. But I like that this is just completely like a, like a, a, a hacky, stupid joke that is like absolutely should be in Star Wars. Do you think when um, when Baverick said that, did he say it knowing that it was like as a kind of as a way of kind of like digging at the Mando by using his catchphrase? You know what I mean? Like as a way of, of that's interesting his balls. And I yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that it, it it's I, I kind of don't want to believe that that Mando has a catchphrase because uh, he seems like. I don't know. Like he barely talked in the first episode. <laughs> so like it's a guy who doesn't talk that much shouldn't really have a catchphrase. But it, but otherwise, how would I think? It, to me, it had to be sort of coincidence because uh, how would this guy know that? Although it's not like uh, Mando would have bragged about like oh, and then I said I could bring you in warm or I could bring you in cold. Like I don't picture him <laughs> telling other people that that's what I say to people before I bring them in. Right. But I guess there could be. Uh, I assume that when you registered with the guild, you had to you had to declare a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that could be. That could be. Or and he just wrote it down. I was like, I don't know. Just I, I said this once, and he just wrote it in there. Uh, maybe there's there's like a Twitch streams or something of of bounty hunters kind of making their kills. You know, they go and they immediately post them. <laughs> yeah. so Everybody else can see how cool they are, and they're like, "Oh, right. wow, he, he totally got that guy." <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett's was his catchphrase was, "I'm going to disintegrate him," which is why Darth Vader immediately cuts him off. He's like, "No, no disintegration." disintegration. <laughs> he got all like like ramped up to do it. The audience is getting ready. To, yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> that's why I loved in the was that episode two when when you finally see uh, he starts disintegrating people with oh, his yeah. rifle. And yeah. Oh yeah, that was the it's that's like a thirty five year forty year payoff or something. <laughs> like waiting for that moment. Um. Uh. So then he goes to Tatooine. Well, he, 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 he you must have liked it. There's a lot of shots of him flipping switches in the uh, in the cockpit. <laughs> I know you're a fan of that. <laughs> yeah, good switches and screens. That's what I. That's what I want. I could watch a whole episode of that. <laughs> Your new role playing game about piloting ships, <laughs> yes, <switches and> screens. <laughs> so Pete, you went to Galaxy's Edge, right? I did just recently. Yeah. Yeah. So you, and you, I assume you rode the Millennium Falcon ride. Yes, I. I made the people that I like uh, the the people that I was with. Um, particularly a, a listener, a friend of the show, Ralph, uh, not Cake Boss Ralph, the other one, went, uh, he got the pilot kind of ticket and I got the gunner ticket and he was like, oh, you got to trade, mm-hmm. you got to fly it. I was like, no way. Like, I'm going to sit in the back with my eyes closed and just keep pressing shoot. I'm, I'm not a ride guy and I'm scared already. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was super fun just to be in there and see all those control panels and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Have the details is amazing, but it do, it does give you that uh, amazingly satisfying uh, experience of getting to flip a bunch of switches on the Millennium Falcon, which when you are, when you see the movies, you're like, God, I want to just go nuts on those buttons and and uh, you know, it's, it's just great. I didn't actually wait. Did I pilot? I, we did it twice, and I think I did. I don't remember. Maybe I didn't pilot it. I think I let Zoe do the light speed um mm. anyway i know i was in the back once um i might have been co-piled the other time but yeah it's it, th- this watching the, that part of this episode sort of made me it, it's a different thing now where you're like oh yeah because his cockpit is kind of similar to the millennium falcon and that it's junky <laughs> overrun with right. buttons uh but yeah to 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 be to have a sense memory of of that is, is kind of fun now yeah 
Uh, I have a question uh, about Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does is the Mandalorian responsible for Baby Yoda's um, hygiene? Hmm. <laughs> oh boy, oh, that's interesting. You mean diaper changes? Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever baby things. Oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, is or is he old enough where he can actually? You know, he's fifty years old. Can he actually right. do it himself, or does he use the force, or <laughs> what's the uh, anyway? Or because he because they age so slowly, maybe he only takes a crap once every seven years. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> like maybe it hasn't come up. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that would be actually funny if suddenly he was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like whoa what's no, what's going on with you, kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean the, the if he is responsible for it I guarantee you he has done nothing because he seems a like a very he's 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 a very low touch parent in every regard i mean his his style of parenting is lock the kid in the back seat and then go do some dirt like that's right. his whole right. mo and then st- suddenly he, is, he still doesn't seem to understand that he can get out he will every time he will get out and follow you like that's what's <laughs> going to keep happening i was a little uh i continue to be baffled by the mandalorians like okay i have this baby that is the most wanted thing in the entire galaxy i'm gonna leave it here unattended in the car with the with the car door open like <laughs> Well, so he can the breathe. door. Yeah. I guess. If you do, if you shut yeah, the but, door, then somebody's going to come along and break his windows. And yeah, mm. I mean, he already he should have learned his lesson that he left his ship alone and Jawas tore it apart. Now he's right, suddenly right. like, hey, you know, I'll leave it there for who cares? Can't happen <laughs> twice. What are the odds? <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, the only the only thing I can say not to leave the baby unattended. <laughs> Hopefully, I actually in this episode, I finally was like, just put that thing in a swaddle and strap it to your back. Like that's yeah. the solution. You know that Yoda's love riding on people's backs. Like we already have that. <laughs> so just get you him could up call there. Back. People would love that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could just even use your cape. Just wrap him in the cape. The cape's already attached to your your back. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all set. We're buying like, another bassinet. They can't be that uh, right. Scarce. Yeah, but uh, the the one thing I'll say in defense of the show's uh, repeated uh, use of the Mando walks away from a high value target is that uh, Luke and Obi Wan do the exact same thing oh, in Episode droids. Four, where yeah. they they're like, oh, I guess you guys have to stay outside. You know, the two droids that the entire Empire is looking for right now, <laughs> like the most important droids in the universe. Uh, yeah, you can just you just hang out outside and nothing nothing happens. Like even though there's stormtroopers everywhere and there's obviously other creatures and critters <laughs> uh, looking around and and you know spying, somehow they don't raise any flags. Although I guess they eventually do because they get that report and that's why they have to to jump but we we know there's a history of star wars characters being completely careless with uh, valuable cargo yeah mm. good point it's a callback you're saying <laughs> maybe it's a callback <laughs> I, that's a, might be a little bit of a stretch or alex maybe it's a it's an easter egg right because that's oh, that's yeah, what they call go. callbacks yeah. now <laughs> there are two kinds of things in life plot holes and easter eggs <laughs> that's right <laughs> if you're not one you're the other yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so we well we hear a new sound I think from Baby Yoda. There's a little giggle that I don't think we've heard before. Hmm, I think um, I missed that. Which sounded very baby like. Which is you know he's been cooing and sounding a little more like a mogwai, but this sounded very much like a human baby. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a <laughs> like that, that sounded bad. That sounded like a like a like a terrible Michael Jackson impersonation or something. Whatever I just did, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he has a little. He has <laughs> a, Michael Jackson's dying words. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did he did, was this in the when they're landing or when they when they arrive I think it's when you first notice that he's still in the cockpit basically 
It's like they, okay. they 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 have the kind of cold open, and then the the ship is you know they they have the title. The ship is kind of rattling, and and um, mm-hmm. you see we're approaching a planet, and then you hear him giggle, and so then we're we're reassured that that Baby Yoda is still there. It's using it's the 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 time honored tradition of of having the the dynamic of some a serious thing is happening to an adult and a child just thinks it's funny right like that's a great formula <laughs> he's like trying to keep them from dying in outer space and he's just like <laughs> you idiot uh, i love it i feel like the whole theme of the show is anytime you don't know what to do just cut to baby yoda's reaction and right. it is to be the, yeah uh, the, the you can't miss go to uh right you know he's the baby gotta love him yeah you do uh, so they land in Donkey Bay 35. 35. And, um... I was, I was by the way, is, is it's written... Sorry to interrupt, but it, it 35 is written in our uh, alphabet of 35, mm-hmm. even though there is a different alphabet in Star Wars. I thought that was... Maybe that's always been the case in Star Wars, but uh, are their numbers the same as our numbers, but their letters are different? Um, no, I think they there are numbers in in... Our batch. I, I gotta go now. Look it up. Um, but uh, but that's again a reference to and something that I, I think none of us really noticed until the movies came out in HD that it said mm-hmm. ninety four outside of Docking Bay ninety four, like in in right. clear. You know, it, it was before our batch was invented. Is you know the when the all the text was still in English on everything. You know, like in the Death right. Star and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice, that, that made me happy to see like, okay, he's landing in 35 and we're going to see 35, like, uh, you know, written on the wall there in the same, same fashion, which is nice. I guess they are, they are the same. So like Arabash numerals look like regular, uh, yeah, Arabic numerals. So that's Um, not a, it's consistent. Like a stylized version of, right. Oh. Yeah, because it's very computery looking. It's just, uh, but you can make it out as a thirty-five. Um, I'm getting two. I'm getting conflicting reports here, because <laughs> some of them have just dots <laughs> for the for the numbers. Oh yeah, um, but other ones have like a like a very stylized kind of. Uh, oh right, because in Sabak the the cards the numbers are just dots right. in the, in Sabak. So yeah, maybe they use both interchangeably. Right. Well. Either yeah, just like we have Roman numerals and regular you know Arabic numerals, and it's it's all cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, when they when he first lands there and we see the pit droids mm-hmm. for for I'll admit it for a brief fleeting second I was like we're gonna see Watto in this. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there was no Watto. Oh, man. No Watto. Incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, the again. There are so many places where it's like they could have easily just thrown somebody in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it could be Kidster. Yeah. Anakin's, Anakin's old friend. Yeah. From, uh, I admire the restraint, honestly. I mean, uh, I think it would have been very easy to go down that path, and they, they seemed to made they made a hard decision to not do that, at least not yet. I mean, I, watch that, you know, the, the final episode is probably going to blow all this up, and we're going to look like idiots for, for thinking that. <laughs> but for the moment, they're being very uh, careful and, and uh, deliberate with not going into uh existing characters which i i appreciate a lot yeah i bet them last episode his bounty will involve him going to the uh 10-year reunion of the battle of yavin so there'll be everyone who was at the battle of yavin <laughs> will all be there in one uh, you know one <laughs> setting 
Yeah. Well, that would be better than if it ends with him, you know, excavating the Sarlacc pit and pulling Boba Fett out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, that would be an interesting cliffhanger for the season because they want you to, you know, they want to leave the like wrap this Baby Yoda storyline up and then leave a little bit of a tidbit so you're you're a little sousson so you're excited to come back yeah. for uh, for next season next year. And well, I, I, I'll I drop bet. this. I'll yeah, I, I'll drop this on you guys. Uh, it's because uh, I think I, I probably mentioned my friend Jim uh, Jim Yost, who's my college roommate, who's the biggest Star Wars fan I know. His theory, it, because we know now that the Mandalorian is not an actual. Uh, what do you, uh, he's not an ethnic Mandalorian. He was an adopted Mandalorian. Um, he's a convert. He thinks that. Yeah, yeah. He thinks that. Uh, that Boba Fett actually raised him. Like he, once he was, once he was brought into the guild, uh, into the, what, not the guild, but whatever the Mandalorian clan or group is called. Right. Uh, I don't, but I don't think that timing wise, I don't think that works. Right. Well, this is five years after the end of Jedi. Right. So, yeah. it, so it's been five years since Boba Fett presumably died in the Sarlacc pit. And then, but if you so and and this guy we don't know how old this guy is right we just know that he's an but we, adult. But we we see him as a kid during the Clone Wars because we see his parents getting killed by the battle True. droid. Right. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. he'd be almost around the same age as Boba. He'd just only be like a year or two younger than Boba Fett. Okay. Mm. That's and I may be misremembering my my friend right. Jim's theory by the way, so I don't want to yeah. put this on him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was yeah. It, uh, it's that's that's interesting. Yeah, well, I got to think about that now. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, – well, I don't know because the, the thing that's so interesting to me about this whole thing, and it's another reason why I kind of feel like it exists in an alternate universe, is that of the three quote-unquote Mandalorians we've met in the Star Wars live-action things, mm-hmm. none of them are actually Mandalorians. And so uh, like – O- the only actual Mandalorians in that we've met in Star Wars are all from Clone Wars and, and Rebels, I think. Where there's Sabine, yeah. and then there's mm-hmm. Pre Vizsla and all those people from Clone Wars who I don't really remember all their names, but uh, Saltine, <laughs> Saltine. <laughs> that was uh, Obi Wan's girlfriend, Saltine. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, that's why it kind of feels like again, this is like a a a remix of boba fett's story uh you know it's like what if boba fett had a different origin and uh, right, took a different cool. path or whatever yeah but um but if you try to fit in, into what really happened or what we know of what happened uh i I, we, I guess we know from clone wars that boba fett fled uh as a what i don't know if it's like 11 or 12 or something um there is that one episode that I'm only very fuzzily remembering where, where we see Boba Fett fleeing Coruscant or something. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the presumption is that he takes on the, the armor and becomes a, a bounty hunter as a teenager. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. It's yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's impossible to know, but I kind of liked the idea that there would just be some sort of connection to the major, 
uh, non-Mandalorian Mandalorian that we've <laughs> that we've known for forty years. Well, I'll admit I was just I just desperately wanted to poke a hole in his theory because you said he was the biggest Star Wars nerd. <laughs> yes. like, Wait a minute, well, so and that proves your true nerddom is that you that your instinct was to <laughs> to, oh, I, to shut it down. <laughs> I walked right into your trap. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want now. I'm going to look through my text to see if I can find because there was more to his theory that made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, but anyway, well, let's go. Keep going through the episode. Yeah, I mean, well, jumping ahead a little bit again because this is all tangents. Why not? With the um, when you that that idea of of you know could be anybody inside somebody else taking over the armor came up like uh, near the the close to the end of this episode when the the kind of action shifts and. Uh, What's his name? Gunnaval Toro um, gets the, you know, the kid gets kind of the idea that, oh, the, you know, this, this, you know, his armor is worth, she says his armor is worth more than my bounty and he's, you know, super famous. He's a legend or whatever, you know, he's, he's notorious. Like I, I had an inkling of like, oh, maybe that's where this is. Maybe he's going to kind of join the gang for a little bit. And then this Mm -hmm. season will kind of culminate with this kid taking over as the Mandalorian. Oh, thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's it, a, that would be a cool idea, but uh, as long as it wasn't this particular guy. <laughs> yeah. I could see him stealing the armor, and then the next episode, someone kills him and steals it from him. And then right. That's right. Real. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so back to, the, back to the plot. He lands uh, in Docking Bay 35, and... Uh, um, some pit droids come out, and I, and yeah, you, you were half expecting one. I'm happy to see pit droids because they're one of the things that I think worked. I mean, you know, um, Phantom Menace yeah. is a big, you know, it's it's goofy fun, and pit droids are goofy yeah. fun. Um, it's weird that we never saw pit droids in. Uh, I, I mean, I know why, but right. but if you're talking just within the universe, we never saw pit droids on Tatooine in Episode Four or Six, uh, but now it's. The, now the uh, most likely is lousy with them, which you would expect them to be. Um, but it, it, the timing—it's too bad <laughs> that the special edition. If they did a second special edition, you know George Lucas would have oh, yeah. thrown more fit rights in, into those scenes just to keep mm. consistent with the prequels and for more comedy. <laughs> of course, because they're comedy gold. <laughs> um, but the pit droids belong to Peli Motto. Pelimato. 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 Uh, I couldn't believe it when Amy Sedaris showed up in this. Yeah. Me neither. And I didn't even right. recognize her. I just, I heard her voice and I was like, that is a very familiar voice. I was like, I think that's <laughs> yeah, Amy yeah. Sedaris. Princess, and I was like, it's Princess Caroline. Yeah. I, I totally <laughs> thought that when, whenever she was like not on screen talking, you hear her voice from yeah. behind something. I was like, oh, Princess Caroline is here. Which is <laughs> interesting that the, the DNA of this show, originally we were toying with the idea of doing a both reviewing the Mandalorian and the the last season of BoJack Horseman at the same time, and so this would have been a great. Um, this would have yeah. been where they met. This would have been the, the the crossover event of the season. It would have all paid off here. Yeah, can you but, imagine like the next episode's gonna have, and also uh, it's gonna have like Aaron Paul in it, and then Paul F. Tompkins <laughs> will show up. And we'll be like, why didn't we stick with our original plan? Yeah. Well, we already had. I don't know if uh, uh, Brian Posehn's never been on BoJack, has he? Because he was in the first episode. Hmm. It seems like he, I don't know. It seems like he should have. Yeah. He should have been. Yeah, if he hasn't been, he should have been. It's yeah. always, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, at the end of every episode of BoJack, it's like, wait, I need to see the, the credits because, like, all of those people were people whose names yeah. I know. You know, like, even the, that little, like, uh, you know, the, the walrus that walked through the background. Yeah, that was... <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I will admit, I do, if I didn't know Amy Sedaris, I do not think I would enjoy her performance. But because I know her, I find it hysterical. Like, I, I, it, it, to me, it just seems like Jerry Blank from Strangers with Candy running, uh, running a, uh, you know, a, a docking base. So, right. Uh, it'll get a pass from me. But I, I would be curious to see what people who don't know her would think of yeah. would think of it. So. I gotta say, I was getting shmee vibes off of her. She mm. was very shmee. Huh. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the only other woman like that that we've seen in Star Wars, I think. There's like, there's very few, like, uh, middle-aged humanoid women in Star Wars, so, uh, yeah. at least in the originals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely more more Shmi than Aunt Beru. Aunt Beru is, is well, right. a little bit older, but uh, also not... Uh, you know, kind of the quieter type. She's definitely right. more more lively. Yeah, and it does. I'm, I'm calling up the Wikipedia page now, and it it totally does look like a yeah, either Weird Al or she's doing like a like Ripley cosplay or something. It's definitely a weird. Uh, <laughs> oh, like maybe Brian that was May or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brian, Brian, Brian May, May. Totally. There you go. Um, That's awesome. And she calls him a womp rat. Yeah. Which at yeah. least is at least is geographically correct. Yeah. Because we know womp rats do live on Tatooine, so I'll I'll give that one a pass. It's a local yeah, you guys, it's about two meters tall, so <laughs> <laughs> you took you took issue with, with Mando calling him calling Baby Yoda that in the previous episode, right? But to me it's like we don't know for all we know, I mean, this guy could have been on Tatooine before he might be intimately familiar with womp rats maybe he had to camp out there one time as a boy scout (laughs) i i I don't have any problem with that but the more tatooine things that show up in the real the rest of the world it makes tatooine less and less of a backwater that like luke's complaining that is in the middle of nowhere now suddenly every creature that lives on tatooine is known to every you know person in the galaxy jawa juice and bantha burgers and (laughs) so right right. uh, so you know but again in this case geographically accurate so uh, yep yep it works i'll allow it i i did have a little bit of like it wasn't a um cringe i was just like a little like eh. it's like a little moment of, of you know hesitation with like womp yeah. rat like eh, all right well, yeah. Plus, I guess there's the weirdness factor of hearing Amy Sedaris say stuff like, you know, blast <laughs> scores and, and any Star Wars yeah. score coming yeah. out of her Carbon mouth. scoring, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, luckily I hadn't figured out it was her yet at that point, uh-huh. so it wasn't as yeah. weird. But it, if I had been like, oh my God, Amy Sedaris is in Star yeah. Wars, like that, that's very, uh, that would make your brain freeze up for yeah. sure. I'm, I'm glad I didn't Definitely. read about this beforehand. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one shot I really liked was when he leaves the, um, he leaves the docking bay and walks out into the street and, mm-hmm. uh, it was a nice return to the pre-special edition Moss Eisley where the streets mm-hmm. are kind of like empty and it's a lot more like a Western town, you know, the, the cliche Western yeah. town, you know, but it was nice mm-hmm. not to see 20,000 animals, you know, pack animals going up and down the streets <laughs> and droids having comedy routines and things like that. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I was pleased about that. Definitely feels like an old Western f- more feel mm-hmm. to it. So uh, it also makes sense that on a hot planet like that, people would go inside during the day. They wouldn't be outside you know, right. doing business. They'd be inside having siestas. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I guess we don't know what time of day the the most easily seen in Star Wars takes place. Maybe it's morning. Han Solo, mm-hmm. Han Solo wouldn't be up in the morning, though, unless he's on a different schedule. Like, maybe he's just stopping through. So he's like... <laughs> Yeah, he's jet lagged yeah, from yeah. a different system. Yeah, I guess we don't we don't know how long the trip from um, Obi Wan's to the um, 
Moss Eisley took. Right. If it was an overnight trip, did they camp out on that little bluff? Right. We'll, we'll, we'll never they know. stopped at a Motel 7. Motel 7? Motel 6? Yeah. What, what's the 7? There's something with a 7. Well, it, in Star Wars, it would be Motel 7. <laughs> in, our, in our world, it's Motel 6. <laughs> play, play 7? Oh, no, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So it might be a Motel 5. Oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave the light speed on. <laughs> hey, we did it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he leaves Yodel unattended, goes out walking around, um, sees a treadwell outside the, the door to the bar. The famous, like, the, again, another, like, exact shots. Yeah. Yeah. Not even a different angle. The exact, yeah. <laughs> like, like the camera is set up literally in the marks that the tripod left on the, on the, <laughs> on the floor. I, I, do you guys know, have you, have you been able to look this up or figure this out? Did, did they actually go to, uh, Tan, or not Tanzania, um, Tunisia. Tunisia. I don't, Tunisia. Yeah. I don't did they shoot so. any of this in Tunisia? I think this was all done it, here. It looks great. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with how accurately they recreated all that. Yeah, someone will have to do one of those side-by-side videos where we get yeah. to see actually how painstakingly they recreated it. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, the, part of the, I, I was talking to some friends who, who do effect stuff, and, and part of what they're doing with this is, like, basically instead of, you know, rear projection or front projection, they're they're doing, basically they build, um, like a like a giant monitor behind them, like a, mm-hmm. a, a giant... Uh, screen you know uh, uh, led screen or lcd uh, yeah. led screen and and so they're, the the background is is live projected hmm. kind of behind them so they can walk in front of it and and have it be you know actual so that I, I think maybe some of these backgrounds are just either you know literally just taken from star wars <laughs> like wow. and, or right. or just you know recreated you know in in um, in 3d in a computer know, in, in, in a computer yeah. and yeah. then just you know yeah. They just pop it up for them to walk by, walk in front of. Wow, that's crazy. That's cool. I mean, the 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 thing they have going for them is that there's been a lot of over the years a lot of work done to recreate this particular yeah. location in various places and times, like the starting with the special editions, but also, uh, and the the prequels went back there. Not maybe not to most Eisley, but they they you know they've they they probably just have an archive of you know. <laughs> landscape shots of yeah. of Tunisia that they can just pull from. I mean, video games too. Like there's because video games are at this point so sophisticated. They've built models of all these buildings, and and uh, they can probably just plop them in there. And the the fan community too. The fans who have built like they're the ones who rebuilt the Obi Wan's house out in the desert in Tunisia. You know, it wasn't like they they went and found it. You know, Obi Wan's house or the Lars homestead. I think the the one or, or maybe both they went and found it and it was all just like decaying and you know whatever yeah. whatever the original crew had left there was falling apart so they they raised some money and just went and rebuilt it themselves and there's you know all those diorama awesome. makers like the the guys who show up you know celebration with the, the you know the cantina and the the falcon and stuff that you can walk into um right all those guys have done all this kind of you know forensics to, yeah. to and have the blueprints all, all like kind of you know laid out Right. It, yeah. It's not like they're trying. They're not. They're not working off of some obscure thing that needs to be like completely rebuilt from scratch. There's right. plenty of uh, plenty of that work has been done for them, <laughs> and even at Lucasfilm, but also outside of Lucasfilm. Right. Yeah. So, so in the cantina, which is which is Chalman's cantina, it's the same one. It's fallen into the hands of uh, I think <laughs> Chalman still owns it at this point, but but droids have overrun the place. Yeah. Um, 
but and they meet uh, Toro Calican. Well, so I just want to say before that, I guess everyone probably noticed this already, but the, the bartender droid is uh, the same yeah. kind as EV-99, the torture robot in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's unidentified EV series supervisor droid bartender. <laughs> which is I like to imagine that it actually is the torture droid. Just kind of like, oh, well, you know, after Jabba got killed, I needed work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's a living. Yeah, Maybe he stole some of Jabba's uh, treasure and then used mm-hmm. that to uh, start a new life. There you mm-hmm. go. But not I like very... it. there's two of them working there too. So like one of them got the job and then immediately started hiring other robots to work there. So. Right. right. <laughs> Which begs the question, like, I mean, why did robots need to go into the cantina ever? Like do robots don't drink. So also, what was the, why do they need jobs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one thing for a human to purchase one to, you know, to put to work as the bartender. But if it's, if they're acting on their own recognizance, it's very strange. Hmm. Well, I guess they still have to pay for, like, upkeep. I don't know. To send money back to the droid planet. Yeah, it's just, it, it gets into that area of, of Star Wars that's just a little uncomfortable, which is the line between servants and, uh, like, conscious Sweet. beings. Yeah, I mean, right. like, what are, are they... Do they have free will? Do they have uh, consciousness? Or are they just, like, very sophisticated programmed robots? Well, I don't know also the status of slavery, because when we were on Tatooine in the prequels, they, slavery was 100% legal here. So I don't right. know if mm. even even, even biological creatures might still be uh, living in slavery. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, um, good point. Anyway, yes, let's go move on to Toro uh, Carnival. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and he, he totally is a, again, it, it, it worked because I started to dislike him. I started to find him unbelievable, and then he turned out to be. That's because he's he's pretending. It, it yeah. worked. It 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 fooled me <laughs> by not fool by not being able to fool me. He fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a very very deep la- layered uh, situation happening here. Yeah, you hate him. You think you hate him for one reason, but it turns out you hate him for the reason they wanted you to hate him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although he you also think he knows that do the act does the actor know that is he like I'm playing a jerk I'm playing a smart no, he, jerk or... <laughs> I, I think he's 100% convinced this is the coolest guy in Star Wars right. <laughs> which is why it works I'm cool yeah, it totally, totally works yeah. <laughs> um, he did remind me a little bit of uh, uh, Balthazar Getty from Young Guns 2 if that uh... <laughs> wow that uh, wannabe kind of uh, Prince of Pistoliers whatever um <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a, a character again being in the Han Solo seat, literally, um, and kind of having that like it's it it plays with what you know and it's it works well. I feel yeah. he does go down in a blaze of glory, so I think that maybe was <laughs> a, apropos. Um, when they, when they first introduced this thing, I thought they were you know because last week was a beat for beat copy of you know Seven Samurai, and this one I thought was they were going to do like an Unforgiven thing where this guy was like I want to be a bounty hunter, and then he mm-hmm. kind of learns that it's not the glamorous you know world yeah. that it is that it's, but uh, they didn't do that. So uh, yeah, see yeah. that's the thing again, threw, threw me off the trail again. Yeah, you can play with it, and it, it you know it can be it can adhere mostly to a formula kind of a thing, but it, you know, there should be some surprises in there. It shouldn't go exactly, you know, like I, I said, once the, once we realized that the cold open of last week's episode wasn't a dream sequence, I knew exactly what was going to happen for the, for the most part. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. 
I I didn't know exactly. I mean, I I could I had some guesses about the way it could go, but it was a you know slightly different, and and I found it some more entertaining. And in in, despite being another one where by the end of the episode, nothing's really different. I think what you know, just sorry to go back to the last episode again, but the, I think what worked for me about that is I was excited to see a new place that's in this galaxy i think that's always fun just like to, to fill out to fill in the blank a little bit there and then also by the same token meeting new characters uh you know they're not terribly interesting or original but i, I like at least and i'm terrible with names but the the uh the former uh rebel who he teams up with um that's a character that i assume is going to return at some point uh well, and so yeah yeah so you know we get we get that introduction and um there's a little bit more of uh it, you're right plot wise it's very linear and 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 very predictable but the um the character work the character stuff and i think is is maybe down the road going to uh be more meaningful than it than it appeared in that one episode yeah we'll see i would i'd like to again i i I would like to go and revisit all of this. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll get the opportunity to watch them again because there's my yeah. wife hasn't seen any of it. Uh, there's, there's, you know, it would be interesting getting once the season is over, kind of going back and rewatching and being like, oh, look at that. Right. Once you have a a sense of the whole thing, I mean, like it's it's playing out the way they want it to play out, which is that it's telling it's telling episodic stories, but it's also there is a very there is a uh, an arc to it. Uh, on some uh you know which is with what's going to happen with this baby and uh so once we know how the whole thing wraps although it was probably just going to be a cliffhanger but, but still once that once that concludes it'll be interesting to put the pieces back together and, and sort of figure out like what the what the meta story is so while mandalorian is teaming up with um with uh toro uh amy Snyder's meanwhile discovers baby yoda after because baby yoda i guess it's supposed to be doing the sound that obi-wan does of the great dragon is that uh it did sound kind of reminiscent of that hmm. i don't know which is very strange because that's certainly uh right maybe that's just a, throws, throws a monkey wrench into all the theories about what exactly obi-wan was doing when he made that noise so uh, <laughs> but, uh, maybe it's like a, it's like a default ringtone for force users they have a handful of things oh. they can just do yeah. um without without trying too hard my or current a, favorite favorite interpretation of that scene uh, the obi-wan scene is that um he's uh basically uh He's dressed like a Jedi, which to the native Tatooiners is like like Anakin's slaughter of the Jedi became such a legend that like yeah. Obi Wan is like, "Ooh, I'm Anakin Skywalker," and that's why they <laughs> ran away because they, they thought he was, they thought he was Anakin coming to kill them. I, I, I like that uh, interpretation. So maybe yeah. Yoda heard the same story. <laughs> yeah, it could be. right. Right, it could just be a stomach grumbling. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably just because he's young. Uh, the noises that Jedi, like mature Jedi, can make on command, he's they're just kind of popping out of him willy nilly. <laughs> like he can't control it. It's like the babbling. Uh, he's like babbling. Yeah, Jedi. exactly. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like a, you know, it's like one of those sound machine things that you know you press one button and it makes a fart noise, and the other one makes like plates crashing, and then the <laughs> other one makes a crowd laughing. He's just it's like cycling Nielsen through. Box, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good old Nielsen box. Yeah, so he's uh, 
he's just cycling through those randomly like the giggle in the in the ship was just a coincidence like he wasn't actually laughing i want to give a shout out to what i assume is the digital um effects people because you can see when the pit droids are looking over at the ship you can see the reflection of the uh, razor burn in the in the the eyes of the pit droids so mm, nice i don't know if that was a practical effect or or uh, or what but uh, good good attention to details yeah um very nice yeah and so they they agree to team up they head out mm-hmm. um we i think feel like we was it on was it on an upcoming episode or was it on uh, was it on this that we were talking about bikes and whether or not there are bikes um whether they don't that say speeder bike anywhere uh, in the in the movie like in return of the jedi they never call it a speeder bike they say you know right. and so we were wondering if bicycles exist in star wars but here he says get two bikes yeah um and i'm sure there, yeah. there are lots of examples of when bicycles have been mentioned in the clone wars or something or rebels but uh, right. we were just kind of searching through our our initial sources and the the times that we've seen them i don't think they've mentioned right. but here he says you know get get two bikes speeder bikes yeah it's always tricky with like when you they have to do some things for just for practical purposes uh exposition wise but with star wars you never know like should we go like i always thought it was crazy i, I don't think they mentioned fuel in the original trilogy if, if i could be wrong but uh i feel like the concept of fuel never came into the story until um maybe clone wars or rebels or something but then it became a big part of the last jedi right and it comes up in this episode um and fuel to solo too but the stuff they're trying to steal right is fuel for ships. it's a big yeah it's a right it's a huge part of solo right yeah yeah and that that kind of bugged me honestly like i i always liked the fact that well two things to, to me they they're not connected at all but in my mind they're connected by the sense that they are um conspicuously absent from the original star wars trilogy and then pop up later and i don't think they should have which is fuel and the idea of mass media like there's mm-hmm. a there's uh in i don't know if it's in, i think it's in rebels there's like a kind of like a like a cnn type thing playing on a screen i'm like, like no there's no it, i think yeah yeah right like i don't like that i don't i like the idea that somehow in this world in this universe they have all this technology but they they never went down the path of broadcasting uh anything you know but to a wide they have communications like they have like one-to-one communications but they don't have like tv and film and radio and things like that like i always thought that was cool that they didn't have that stuff so it bummed me out when it suddenly popped up and then (laughs) by the same token fuel as a plot device i just think is kind of annoying because it it it's just like oh okay so they're out of gas like that doesn't seem very uh, otherworldly to like have such a pedestrian problem right uh <laughs> which is what basically drives the plot of the last jedi is a a, a there's the gaslight comes on on a ship and that's the whole <laughs> the second act of the movie although but, that's, that's um, very relatable i feel that sometimes i feel like uh you know yeah you got that electric car so you're always worried yeah it's that battery panic i know that's that's my point is like i i go to the star wars movies to escape the the <laughs> mundane problems of my own life and this is now i have to think about people running out of gas in star wars although it's so, like a yeah. taxation thing bothers so many people like no, yeah same thing taxes <laughs> right exactly don't, i will i do point out that uh, Come on. in the in the scene from star wars that got cut uh, they do mention fuel. Uh, Biggs, when Biggs and Luke are talking, and Luke is like, "Hey, look at look at the battle I saw up in the in the stars," and gives them binoculars. And Biggs looks up and says, "That's no battle, hotshot. They're just sitting there, probably a freighter tanker refueling." 
Uh, interesting. So the, the idea of fuel would have been in there, but it just uh, it, it didn't make the cut. So it was completely <laughs> accidental that they left that out, and I've given it way more importance and weight than it should <laughs> than I should have. Well, it's funny because uh, Lucas did in the prequels and in the original trilogy did, did two storylines that very well could have been were running out of fuel. We have Han Solo; he just instead he just breaks the hyperdrive. Right, like right. hyperdrive is broken, so now we have to go to Bespin, and then in Phantom right. Menace, oh, the hyperdrive is broken. That's why we have to go to Tatooine to get it fixed. So he basically yeah. just removed it one step from fuel running out. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a, it's still a it's, a, it's another type of mechanical problem. Yeah. But it, for some reason, that never bothered me. I think yeah. that feels right in a world where everything seems to be breaking down all the time. I accepted that this clunky ship would have a problem with its hyperdrive. Right. But uh, oh, look at that. Yeah, I never wanted to see them fueling up. In the Phantom Menace, Qui Gon says we'll have to land somewhere to refuel and repair the ship right before Obi Wan mm. says, "Here, Master Tatooine." Well, as you know, I don't recognize the prequels. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're orthodox. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they head out on the highway. Um, they get, uh, you know, we see lots of nice shots of them kind of uh, going you know, across the, the dunes of, uh, of Tatooine, all the cool stuff that we've, uh, you know, those, those desert shots. That's where I pictured the uh, the um, Survivor song coming on as they're riding through the, you know, like, <laughs> you right. can do it. Yeah, you know, totally. Kind of yeah. A, <laughs> oh, we should, the we should also mention that the purpose of their their travel is that this this dumb kid has happened upon a a, a puck. Oh, right. And so he's, go, he's going after this uh, notorious assassin and uh, Mando thinks... Well, knows that he he's he's way out of his league, and so offers to help him. Right. Yeah. Although then he smashes it, which is kind of weird. Like, yeah, I guess that was so that Mando couldn't scoop him and and just take it um, for himself. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, it, he's like, I got it all in my head, me. right? Well, what like what was in his head? Where her exact location? What if she? Uh, I don't know. In yeah. between that time. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. And, and Although I did like the uh, the Easter egg where he says, oh, I'm your partner. You know, now you're partner. You know, and um, oh, yeah, he says, looks like you're stuck with me now, partner. Which remind me of that scene in um, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark where Marion says to right. Indy, oh, you, you got you. I'm your partner. So, right. Uh, yeah. And then she smashes she had the more piece of the staff of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could have just. That's the thing. I guess uh, this guy doesn't know if he just assumes Mando would kill him to take it. So, right now he has to keep him alive. Yeah, but um, really, it was a short-sighted move, but it worked out. You know, the Mandalorian should have, uh, you know, he could have had a good thing worked out where he just kind of hides out. This kid goes to get the, you know, because he can't be seen around bounty hunters, but this kid can go, you know, pick up the pucks, bring it back. Right. They work together to get the, uh, you know, Mando does most of the work and then just hands it off and the kid can take it back and the kid gets a good reputation, gets more, get more money, more jobs. The Mandalorian stays in hiding yeah. like a proxy. I guess that's what he. That's what I guess what the Mandalorian kind of wanted to do, but right. that guy messed it up. Yeah. Well, I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the Mandalorian's uh, mo is right now. Like he's other than he's protecting this child and uh, keeping one step ahead of every other bounty hunter in the galaxy. But does he intend to get back to his life of bounty hunting, or is he? Does he have no plan for his future? Is he just surviving? It's not to me. It's it's not really clear that he wants to continue bounty hunting, and he just needs to figure out. He just needs to get past this sort of hurdle of being a wanted man. Although I don't know how that's going to be. I don't know how he thinks that would ever be resolved. Um, 
other than turning over the child. Well, or just take off your, your take off your suit. No one will know who you are. <laughs> Very fair point. Yeah, if you really want to buy a new hide. suit, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Buy a mask to put over your Mandalorian mask, <laughs> like yeah. a, a William Shatner mask. <laughs> oh, that brings me back to uh, uh, speaking of his helmet. Okay, so I, I, here's what my former college roommate Jim Yost. I'm giving him full credit for this. <laughs> that uh, take it for take it for what it is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. Um, he said, "I've been thinking about this helmet thing. Mando was born pre-galactic civil war, but has never removed his helmet since he was taken in by the Mandalorians. If we take them at their word, the others in his clan have also never removed their helmets, which means they." have never removed their helmets even concurrently with rebels which showed that on mandalore itself they always took off their helmets which is true in in rebels obviously sabine takes her helmet off all the time and on when they go back to mandalore you see other mandalorians without their helmets on and then he says this is my theory this not this is not a plot point this is not a plot hole (laughs) the fact that we saw real mandalorians with their helmets off but these other Mandal- these fake Mandalorians seem to think they can't take their helmets off. He says, none of the people in Mando's clan are Mandalorian by birth. They've all found uh, Kongs. They keep their helmets on so nobody realizes they're not Mandalorians. Only one of them comes out at a time, except in the case of helping Mando escape, which says to me, they were founded by somebody who wasn't a Mandalorian, but wanted to be thought of as such and also wanted his reputation to exceed his actual abilities do we already know somebody who fits that bill maybe Mm. somebody didn't actually die at the sarlacc just the member of the tribe who was on duty that week so he's saying he's saying not necessarily boba fett himself but that there's this clan of non-mandalorian mandalorians who are following that they're sort of like an offshoot of the original uh warriors um, so it's a little more complicated and and in depth than what than I was giving it credit for. But I just I latched onto the idea that it would be cool that this guy was raised by Boba Fett, right? I like that because it means all the Mandalorians we see, none of them are really Mandalorians. Right? You're never going to see any real Mandalorians in in a live action uh, for some or, reason, and, and there's really no reason, but except that they've just established that Django and Boba were not Mandalorian, and now this guy's not Mandalorian, so therefore we will never actually see Mandalorians. Right? <laughs> uh, you know who uh, yeah, we do so we see? Do see, see mm-hmm. Yeah, we see Ooh. we see native Tatooineers. And we we get a little bit of like I I, I almost thought they were going to say something about native Tatooineers because the way that they describe them you know because the, the uh, flex what's yeah he's name? very respectful Toro yeah okay. says like he was kind of dismissive about you know um, I forgot his exact line but he was basically like you know they're uh, something about you know why don't they they're just invading other people's land or something like that and. Uh, and the Mandalorian says, that, well, they, you know, they think that they're, this is their land, which yeah. totally jives with our, you know, that I thought he was going to say that they're the native Tatooineers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then he has a, a little kind of uh, classic kind of negotiate with the, uh, with the tribe back and forth there. Uh, I really like that they did sign language instead of him speaking. Uh, <laughs> grunting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he could have been like like going back to the soundboard idea. He could have just played like you know Mandalorian uh, native Tatooine or sounds like from his wrist thing, yeah. being like. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, the the hand communication thing was neat. Yeah, and it does seem to definitely lend uh, credence to the fact that he has been to Tatooine before. The fact that he knows mm-hmm. the secret secret sign language of the uh, of these this uh, these people. So uh, yeah. who knows? 
Hmm. There you go. But That's I was glad to see them. And also, it's, they weren't, uh, they were very um, polite. They were very, uh, not polite. They were, you know, they didn't attack anyone or anything. So, uh, I think the first time we've ever seen one, <laughs> one that wasn't actually inviting someone. So. Right. Although it's another good, you know, <laughs> callback to Star Wars where he's looking at them through the binoculars and then one shows up right there. But And then they're suddenly right there. Yeah. yeah. Which is that's a recurring theme in this series. That's the third time now that that's happened that someone's been looking through binoculars and got snuck up right. on by someone. <laughs> uh, so everybody needs to stop using those noise canceling binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I always do love a good binocular shot. So. Mm hmm. Uh, and then we see a Dubak. More mm. more Star Wars classicness. Yeah. And it, it does seem a little bit like, okay, here are all the things, but it works in this sense because they're not... It, again, it's, it's kind of uh, within the plot. It's not taking away from the plot to be like, hey, look at this thing. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, okay, well, that, you know, somebody would be... We've seen people riding Dubaks across the desert. Somebody would be riding a Dubak across the desert here. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so then there's the scene. They know where the uh, they know where the uh, their prey is. What's her name? I didn't uh, I didn't write down her name. Fennec. I wrote down the actress's name, but not the uh, Fennec Shan. Fennec. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's Mingna Wen. Right. right. Now, what do you know her from? I think. Well, I think I know her from ER. She was on ER for a few seasons. That's um, that's mostly what I remember her from. But then she was in some movie before that in the early 90s that I think I that was the first time mm-hmm. I was, was it, it like do you eat drink man woman maybe or that probably is wrong but it's it's a uh, it was some indie movie that was well received I think. Um it might have been uh Joy Luck Club, the movie version of Joy Luck Club. Oh, I thought you were going to say Which is not an indie movie. Mulan. <laughs> She's a voice in Mulan, right. right? She is Mulan. She is, yeah. And uh, a lot of yeah. nerds are yelling it right now. She is also on uh, Agents of Shield. She is a character. Oh, oh sure. So that's probably what a lot of people know her from. Yeah, ER didn't even didn't even rank in her uh, what you might know her from on the oh, internet movie database. Wow. That, but that's so, that algorithm is is baffling. Sometimes you never yeah. it doesn't make any sense. No, she's, she's on, also on uh, Phineas and Ferb. There you she go. Did a recurring yeah, character. Saw that. So Wait, did there. you? Are you, do you guys have the IMDb there? Do, you, do you, can you see what movie I'm trying to think of? That's what I'm I'm doing. I'm scrolling back trying to see what the uh, like early nineties Street um, Fighter, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Street Fighter. Yeah. Wait, was she? Oh, Joy Luck was Club. She, she was Chun-Li? the daughter. There you go, Joy okay. Luck Club. So that's what you, I was thinking. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then a, a, a bunch of other. I don't know if I've seen any of this stuff. Um, which again speaks more to my the holes in my pop culture um, knowledge more so than her. Uh. Here's a fun fact that isn't actually fun. Uh, for a while, she changed her name to just Ming Na, hmm. and then somewhat for some reason she changed it back. <laughs> hmm. Um. So she is a mercenary, not a bounty hunter. Yeah, that's refreshing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Still has a helmet, though. Right, which is fine. Yeah, um, you gotta have a helmet. And, uh, yeah, apparently... I thought it was a good gimmick, that whole, uh, like, shooting off the flash bombs. I thought that was a good um, a good, a good scene, good uh, gimmick. It was cool, yeah, and because it, it also had the twist of the kid being bad at it and kind of screwing everything up, and then right, right, kind yeah. of puts puts Mando in harm's way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that uh, the bounty hunter who was uh, on their case, the the one who was getting dragged by the dewback before that uh, that classic kind of trap. Um, 
does not have a name. He's not even, I don't think he even mm-hmm. has an entry here, which is... Uh, well, there you go. What's, what are we going to call him? <laughs> Boo-dack. Boo-dack drag. <laughs> D-R-A-G-G-E. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody put that into canon. Yeah, please. Put um, the canon. I'm just going to call him Sando. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't like Sando. <laughs> he's getting dragged through the sand, so he's Sando. <laughs> Sandy. Greedo's greedy, so he's Greedo. Right. <laughs> that's, how, that's how the naming works for me. <laughs> like the Marx Brothers. Right. <laughs> um, uh, we do get a uh, another, uh, as if the, the references weren't uh, fast and furious enough, um, once um, they they agree to kind of capture her. I, I forgot the, the lead up, but uh, the Mandal- titular Mandalorian says uh, she's no good to us dead. Hmm. I didn't mm. catch that. He is a uh, classic quoting Boba Fett. Maybe he was. He's quoting Boba Fett's Twitch stream. <laughs> yeah, that might be a like a kind of a thing that you learn in uh, like school, like bounty hunting school. It's like you right. Know, number one rule of bounty hunting. <laughs> Although I guess in some cases they're worth the uh, yeah, hot or cold, dead or alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and we also um, when they when they kind of uh they do end up confronting her i guess this is after the after the flares mm-hmm. um they do uh she brings up uh, navarro which we hadn't heard of before and i thought when she first mentioned that i thought maybe it was a um dave navarro <laughs> yeah you ever heard of navarro no what about uh eric marshall no what about uh jesse that guy jesse who was in the band for like 20 minutes no dude are you a chili peppers <laughs> fan or what yeah, <laughs> they, you haven't been to the leather vest planet of Navarro. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, but it turns out that we find out that's the. In, I thought it was going to be referencing maybe the. You know, she was going to have had something to do with the, the. You know, the the killings that that led to him being orphaned or something like that. But um, she no, the Navarro was the planet that we started the show on. Navarro. Right, we just didn't know it was yeah, called that. We yet. didn't. It wasn't named until now, and that's the the uh, the planet that uh, Werner Herzog lives on or visits hmm. currently. The planet that we started out yeah. on, um, which theoretically the all the planets that all the Mandalorians were hiding on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's until Navarro. until they uh, got their you know until Mando blew up their spot, and now presumably they have to move to a different hideout. Um, right? Didn't you guys? Did you glean that? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know that to be true. But once they have to all come out in force to to protect or to save him, then they're not. They're going to have to yeah, find a new place. Their, uh, yeah, basically. Well, that's they just kept yeah. flying, right? They they all <laughs> flew over the ridge, helped out the Mandalorian, and they just kept flying and just flying to space. It's like dandelion seeds. They just go <laughs> right. drifting all over the galaxy, <laughs> wherever they land. They're mandelions. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> episode title right there there you go <laughs> um writing it down um yeah so we get the then the the there's a bit of a back and forth where they they capture her they do um they have another kind of uh disagreement over whether or not uh you know i can't tell if was he right was toro like if if when he when the mandalorian titular mandalorian was telling Toro to go get the dewback back. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> would he? Do you think he would have split on the bike while the, while Toro was going to get the dewback? 
I don't think no, he would have because he, so. he can't no. do anything with her. He can't go back to the guild and turn her in for anything because yeah. he's not. Um, right. But uh, yeah, for what for whatever reason, I mean, they've sort of established this guy to be honorable, even though he did break the code of the guild by uh, kidnapping the child after d- d- delivering it. But we know him to be honorable in, in the general sense. So we assume he's he's uh being honest and he's actually going to help this kid uh but again i don't know that if you really dig deeply into the motivation i'm not really sure any of this makes any sense like why would he help him he doesn't really there's maybe he needs some money but it doesn't seem like he needs money he's got he's got uh plenty of credits so i don't know why he's actually going well, through all this trouble well because it seems well, like to fix his ship right? yeah that's it's the it's the phantom menace problem Oh, so he does need the money. Yeah, I think he he needs the money to pay um, Princess Carolyn to fix the ship. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because when he gave her money, she was like, well, that's a start. And so yeah, he had to go out right. and, and get more money. I, I guess I just assumed that after the win, I mean, all of his, all of the bounty that he received for the, the child was went into his armor. But for some reason in my head, it, I thought that it meant that he like sort of had extra money left over that was plenty of money but i guess not no i don't i don't think he got money i think he just got the the metal that turned directly yeah. into the armor yeah. he's not a, he's not a good financial planner he should have set no, aside some of really that armor isn't. for for uh, you know nest egg yeah maybe do the chest plate and the shoulder things but uh, wait on the, the thigh pads until yeah. you uh, can actually nope. support yourself for a while <laughs> no one's no one's shooting you in the thigh <laughs> well <laughs> if, if they if they're smart uh, um so yeah and then um the fennec tries to, con- rat to convince um toro that they should team up against the mandalorian because that would be a better uh plan and i i have to admit i thought he was going to go along with it when he when he shot her i was surprised yeah well he does yeah that was a good twist in a sense go yeah. along i like but not not in letting right. her go like he takes her idea right. and yeah yeah so I thought it was a good fake out. Mm-hmm. His, yeah, his his scum and villainy points go up in that moment where you go, okay, we knew this guy was kind of shady, but to to go from just being kind of like a poser to then, you know, killing someone to take a hundred percent of a bounty is uh is a new level that kind of acts as a nice little surprise twist there. It's also kind of funny though that he thinks he can get get one over on, you know, this mandalorian who has somehow managed to evade the entire guild and like has clearly proven himself to be a badass in yeah. the situation they're in in the moment so it's like so his plan is to somehow take on this uh like super bounty hunter uh one-on-one yeah i guess well he had uh as the uh we didn't even mention so i, I thought i was gonna say i thought it was with uh it does kind of play into it with with once he confronts the Mandalorian in the docking bay, but I, I forgot that it came up earlier when she was the sniper, but uh turns out he's got the high ground. Remember? They they actually mentioned oh, yeah. they mentioned one. that Fennec has the high ground and then when they when the Mandalorian goes back to the ship to confront um Toro, and when he walks out of the uh, of the um razor crest, he's got the high ground. He's up on the ramp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we all know, that's an instant win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so actually, it's the because it's it's the Mandalorian and also the baby that it's Baby Yoda that she's like, oh, they and that he seems to piece it together that that the Baby Yoda is 
the 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 bounty that they're all right. hunting right mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because i thought up until that point he only saw baby yoda in amy sedaris's arms mm-hmm. which made me think, did he think that that was amy sedaris's baby <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah yeah like that that she had like her husband was a was a yoda <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or even even keel um well that's the other thing is that uh when baby yoda comes walking down the down the uh, the platform and mm-hmm. Amy Sarah sees her he she picks him up as if he's a baby but is that a smart thing to do in the Star Wars universe where there's all sorts of size like how does she know that that was a baby other than his sheer adorability right. so, uh, yeah, it could be like uh, what was it baby Herman from, from Roger Rabbit yeah. it could have been like hey lady put me down like they should show her always going around picking up small aliens thinking they're babies and constantly being uh, you know Right. Corrected. Well, it's a psychological, uh, um, you know, condition yeah. that she got. She, she, Those she, big eyes. She kind of keeps babying everything and all that. Mm-hmm. There's lots of complaints against her. Yeah. Or it's just that the, in the Star Wars universe, everybody's sense of imminent threat is calibrated differently than ours because they're constantly in danger and they're constantly being threatened by things. So they just they can't live uh, the way we live where we're, we're cautious and, and, you know, they wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning yeah. so they, they have to be more uh i don't know trusting or just accepting of the fact that uh, yeah this thing might bite my face off but i'll figure it out <laughs> it's a tough universe yeah yeah uh so then the mando returns on the dewback for that awesome terrific shot which i love of him uh on the dewback yeah what if that was yeah. like a like a press photo or or some kind of promo shot of the stormtrooper yeah. on the dewback taken from that really low angle that looks great and because um, I think that was the only angle they could shoot the Dubak puppet from where it didn't look like a puppet. totally fake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good fan service. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really nailed it this time. I mean, the whole thing, um, the whole series has, but that's a, that, that's, that's one of the examples of like, I don't know that that registered with me uh, consciously, but there was so much, there's so much of that throughout the episode. Yeah. I think it definitely because, uh, you know, Star Wars burned into my brain when there was very few publicity photos around. So any right. one of the like 10 publicity photos that came out were like I, I drew them line by line and <laughs> studied <laughs> nice. them and stuff. So it's uh, was that also one of, on one of the trading cards from the oh, yeah, first definitely. Scene? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm it was sure probably on the Dubak toy also. It was probably on the packaging of the Dubak toy. Mm, yeah, that could oh, be yeah. interesting. Um. So then he goes back to Moss Eisley to rescue uh, Baby Yoda from the clutches of Toro and uh, and Amy Sedaris from the clutches of Toro. <laughs> yeah, um, clutches <laughs> clutches of Toro is the new, new bounty hunter character <laughs> working on clutches. Uh, looks like the original patrol dewback toy just had pictures of the. Um, oh no, there it is. It's on the side. On the on the front, it just had you know like a like a diorama of the a bunch of stormtroopers riding it. Yeah, um, but on the on the side, they use that uh, that promo shot. So there, there you nice. go. It is on the box. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but the titular Mandalorian comes back to rescue everybody. There's a little bit of a shootout. I'm I'm um, surprised and kind of somewhat pleased that he didn't just do a kind of you know play it cool and you know take advantage of the uh, inexperience of of Toro and just kind of shoot you know shoot somebody around them or something like that you know just like a robocop kind of a thing yeah um because as much as i love robocop the mandalorian is not robocop (laughs) 
he's no robo he's no robocop <laughs> he certainly had the skill to do that but he he chose uh to be cool right. he wanted to challenge himself yeah mm-hmm. um, uh, i don't i don't like the way amy sedaris holds the yoda puppet because she holds it and it looks like a yoda puppet because she's holding it in a way where it's like horizontal mm-hmm. yeah. but the but the baby's head is just kind of like perfectly like in line you know what i mean <laughs> is she operating so, the head uh, I mean, maybe maybe she is uh, or at least partially but um <laughs> i actually wondered in the last episode because in the last episode you see you see a bunch of children playing with uh baby yoda mm-hmm. and uh that just seemed like a like an nda nightmare to me <laughs> like that they would have to try to tell these kids they're not allowed to tell anybody what they saw on the set and they were gonna have to sit on that secret for however long so i was imagining that they were playing with something completely different and then they just used uh you know computers oh, to, yeah. to drop in the the actual yoda later but i think amy sedaris is trustworthy enough that they could give her the real puppet and yeah let her hold it although there's also like you know if some kid came to school and he was like i got to work on new star wars and there's a baby yoda you would be like you know like exactly like half the you know parents wouldn't believe him because it's like you know kids just right. make up stuff like that all the time right that yeah. just sounds like something a seven-year-old would yeah. say when like, they were trying to my uncle works for star wars it. and i got to see all nine parts of you know like that kind of a thing <laughs> snuffleupagus right. paradox right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah but it's uh um i i'm assuming yeah they do supplement it with cg from time to time but it uh it also it re- reminds me a little bit of there's a uh not directly but there's a um in, in like stage productions of little shop of horrors there's the kind of intermediate stage of audrey 2 where it's it's like you yeah. know in a little handheld plant and they make a like a prop where there's a fake arm holding it's a jacket with one <laughs> fake arm holding right. the pot and so then the actor mm-hmm. can put their arm in and operate the puppet yeah. And so that's, that's now I'm thinking about that with Baby Yoda. <laughs> could, could that could have been in play? Yeah. Um, I'm sure Amy Sedaris has uh, uh, some some puppetry in her past, <laughs> some right. puppet work. <laughs> she's had a long and varied career. Well, that's how they got her. They were like, you know, right. she was looking for some puppetry work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, you're not the same Amy Sedaris who who's like famous, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, we wanted the puppeteer Amy Sedaris. <laughs> this is a huge mistake. <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> uh so yeah and then it pretty much wraps up and the, and the mando leaves yeah. I, I didn't have any more notes for the for the pretty much the rest of you guys anything, anything else you want to comment on well there's two two things one is the um she tells the droids i don't know like drag it out to beggar's canyon which is oh right yeah and again another it's like one last reference yep. one last wonderful which may, nod if you were gonna drop a body somewhere like beggar's canyon seems like a good idea a good place to drop that kind yeah. of a thing uh, but then we yeah, we get a, like a mysterious a shot of a mysterious stranger oh, right. finding the body of uh, of well, what's her name again? Uh, Fennec. Uh, Fennec, yeah, um, yeah. Somebody right. somebody's coming over to check out uh, their their handiwork. Presumably, and they have a cape. Another bounty hunter who had another tracker on her. But uh, right, uh, yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see who they are. I thought I was expecting a little bit more of a reveal of something. I yeah, I thought it, we were going to see the uh, the face of the person. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it. Uh, how with all of the other nods to the original trilogy in play and the fact that we're on Tatooine, how could you not immediately go to? 
oh, I hope it's a Boba Fett. I hope Boba Fett crawled out of that Sar- Sarlacc <laughs> pit and he's been living on Tatooine for five years and and uh, he's back in the game. But that's a totally different show. And, and frankly, in the long run, I hope it's not that. But in the moment, I, I definitely wanted it to be him. Yeah, what if this season culminates in a, like, you know, one-to-one uh, Old West-style shootout between yes. the Mandalorian and Boba Fett? That'd be fantastic. Just, like, standing, you know... 20 feet away from each other in the middle of a busy street there everybody's hiding in the windows looking out like what are they going to do i mean if it comes down to flamethrowers i think we know who's better at the flamethrower (laughs) i mean he's (laughs) and has already proven himself to be far superior he's better at everything (laughs) yeah he really is he's he is the boba fett we wanted when we except uh, for when we met him hiding maybe (laughs) maybe boba fett's better at hiding (laughs) maybe yeah uh, so I uh, I enjoyed that episode. Like I said, I thought it was goofy fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it totally hit the uh, vibe that I wanted from this show before I, you know, when I just heard about it. And I, I this is the kind of thing yeah. that I was expecting. And whether or not I might be hypocritical about it, the fact that it's, you know, it, it uh, I think as I covered last week that the, you can do a... You can do a little sidebar plot thing that you know it doesn't doesn't advance the overall story arc. That's great if you do it with a couple of twists and surprises and make it interesting, which I I feel wasn't done as well the last one. And this one, I felt like it was done better. Yeah, yeah, it had just enough um, plot intrigue to uh, to keep it feeling uh, interesting and and not it didn't get uh it wasn't too predictable and and there was some fun action i mean i think the action has been pretty great throughout the series um but you know i love a shootout and and that's you know yeah there's those classic moments that you want from a a genre show so uh um and and then it leaves you leaves you with a cliffhanger and you you're immediately wanting to know who that person is and i mean it could just be um carl weathers i don't know that guy's name either but the carl weathers character grief <laughs> that would be a kind grief of carga what grief yeah um that would be kind of the the least interesting maybe but uh but yeah you're 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 set up for the next uh for the next thing so i, th- I thought they nailed it yeah and for some reason i kept thinking there are only two left but i guess there are three this was five there's six seven and eight so we got we got a little right i was like how are they gonna wrap and, this up maybe they're not and but they, and now supposedly they there's a week off that when when uh rise of skywalker comes out they're not gonna air an episode that day it's gonna be a couple of days before it they're, they're oh, bumping it okay. up from the friday to i think the wednesday oh great of, uh, I thought they just were taking that week off and then my calendar delaying. Yeah, the it's coming out that's Wednesday the 18th. Fantastic. Um, okay, that's even better. So, I was worried do that we'd have to you wait guys agree weeks. with my hypothesis that baby Yoda will be adult Yoda in Rise of Skywalker or adolescent Yoda? <laughs> I really hope not. I mean, I, I like like I said before, I, I really want this to be separate and stay separate. Right. Um mm-hmm. I like when things tie together, but that's become such a cliche now to like to have everything tied together. And star Wars has done that to death. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but it would be, I mean, honestly, I think what would work better is if he has no part, no, not, there's no connection between episode nine and, and Mandalorian, but then in a subsequent film that maybe takes place many years beyond the um the skywalker saga maybe that maybe this character comes back into play as as a more mature yoda i still maintain my 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 theory is that the the last episode of this season the titular mandalorian will kill the baby yoda 
It's All right. Not, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on that. Okay. How much are you betting? Because <laughs> uh, I would say that's that's like a long shot one that if it hits, you would get paid big. Yeah. Yeah. That I, seems like I, a 500 to one or something yeah. like if you went to Vegas with it. What? Although it's it is it is kind of in keeping with the the genre that they're working from, and I also have to say that this show has been pretty ruthless about introducing cool characters like IG Eleven and uh, and honestly he's the the Ming Na Wen character, like then just com- completely wiping them out within one episode. Where you're like, here's a cool thing, and now they're dead. Right. So uh, it, you know that would be the ultimate. Uh, version of that to say oh you know that character that everybody loves and the internet's freaking out about well guess what mm-hmm. and, and it, it'll that's make, why that's why i don't think they'll do it it'll make him tougher it'll make it it'll be like oh he's heartless like you need to get it back does into that. yeah it, it would be a major character moment mm-hmm. to sort of say like this is who this person is we'll see so let's see what jimmy pardo thinks i've got jimmy pardo here <laughs> Has he jimmy just- do you think that uh the mandalorian is going to kill baby yoda in the final episode of season one of the mandalorian not if i can help it <laughs> <laughs> he said not if i can help it no <laughs> Well, right. I don't think you well, can help it. Honestly, I don't think you have anything. I don't think you have any part to play in this. I'm on staff. Oh, you are? Get over it. Get closer to the microphone. Mm. No! End this! <laughs> He's been waiting for 20 minutes oh, for me man. to uh, have lunch with him. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on and sharing your opinion on uh, The Mandalorian with us. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a thrill. You know, I, I'll talk Star Wars anytime, anywhere. Yeah. And uh, everyone should check out Never Not Funny, the, uh, the, the podcast. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll be back and as you check out our other podcast Star Wars Minute and um, I guess we'll be back next week with another episode of The Mandalorian The Mandalorian The Mandalorian